Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. The Greek word eremos, which is coming from eremia, means one who is alone. It's the word that we get hermit from, ultimately, because some of the monks who retreated into the desert later on, who were using Greek, were the eremos, the eremoi of the desert. And we got that conception from them. Epictetus is talking here about this very common experience of being in a state of eremia, in a state of forlornness, or we might say loneliness. The question is, what does solitude or being alone really mean? So, like I put here, what is the meaning of being on one's own? That has a lot to do with how being on one's own is actually experienced. It can be a good thing in many respects, or it can be a bad thing. Many people will do almost just anything to, to avoid being alone. They'll go out to a bar so that they don't have to be in their place by themselves. People turn on the TV for companionship. The internet now is you know, a great place to go for all sorts of irzatz feelings of togetherness. This is just as much of an issue in Epictetus' time as it is in our own modern, alienated, lonely condition, which really actually doesn't have to be that way for us. And I think actually is any worse than it was in Roman times. So the question is, how do we understand being on one's own? And so he's going to draw this vital distinction between being forlorn or being lonely and being alone. He says forlornness means ultimately being without help or resources. The Greek word for this is aboithetos. It's coming from a verb meaning to sort of rush to the aid of somebody else. It's used in a lot of combats and military discussions. But the idea is that the person who feels like they're sad and lonely because they're on their own, they feel that way in part because they can't rely on anybody else. In addition to that, there's some examples here that he gives and some other qualifications. He says that this often happens when there is a loss that a person endures of a relative, a close relative, like a father or a brother or a son or a close friend, somebody who one relied upon. He actually says a friend with whom one shared a bed, meaning that there was a kind of intimacy and closeness there. Losing a spouse would be a great example. And we can feel this sense of being on our own, all by ourselves, even if we are with others. He gives some examples of being in a crowd in Rome. He says we can be in the city of Rome, which is the largest city in the world that he knows about, with large crowds meeting us in the streets, and so many other people living in the same house with us, and sometimes even though we have a multitude of slaves or servants, people can have all of that stuff, all those people around them, and yet feel like they're totally alone, that they're totally on their own because they can't rely on any of them to be there with what they need. Now, from a Stoic perspective, what does this mean? They are looking for something from these other people, perhaps reasonably, perhaps unreasonably. That's still a question that has to be explored in the particular circumstances. And they're not getting it. 
So, you know, this is something that happens for us all the time. Think about contemporary examples. It doesn't necessarily just have to be a spouse. It can be any breakup. We live in a time where many people are going to go through what's called serial monogamy, right? Where they're going to be in committed relationships, which are probably going to come to an end. And they may be in a whole sequence or series of these before they wind up with the person who they're going to spend the most time with, or at least the last of the time that they have available. And each time that that happens, you know, when there's a breakup, uh, look at it this way. Either you're breaking up with them or they're breaking up with you. Sometimes people will actually break up with another person preemptively just to make sure they're not the one who gets dumped, right? And why, why don't they want to be the one who gets dumped? Because then you feel forlorn. You feel like, man, I'm never going to find that person. Things are never going to work out that way. I'll, nobody will ever love me again. The same thing can happen, by the way, when one loses one's job. Coworkers can become one support network and, and that can be taken away from you at any moment and then suddenly you're left without moorings and you're like, what do I do? I mean, I can go look for jobs if there are any, but now what do I do with the other time of the day? Some people get on the internet and then they get into those communities and then maybe that falls apart as well. There's all sorts of possibilities in our modern age for exactly the same sort of experience that Epictetus is talking about. And he also talks about a more intensified sense of this when one is encountering hostility. So when one is exposed to those who would injure one. So think about a child who is being isolated and bullied. They are going to feel forlorn. Nobody is coming to their aid, perhaps not even the, the authorities who should be intervening. It's a very lonely place to be, isn't it? And we could think similarly about the student who begins taking classes in their 40s and has been out of school for a long time. They're doing sort of, you know, job retraining and they take some online classes. They don't know anybody. They're not quite sure about what they ought to be doing. It seems difficult to make friends in that sort of circumstance. And now they're having all this material thrown at them. That may feel very lonely as well. And so we can talk about lots of situations in which people are feeling this feeling. Now the question that Epictetus wants to ask us is, is it possible to be alone without being forlorn or lonely? And the answer is yes, but the answer is yes for some people. It's not actually possible for everybody to be alone without feeling lonely. Some people are in such a state that they can't be by themselves. And now the question is, well, why not? That's the interesting part from a Stoic perspective. He does note that we do, in fact, have a sort of natural affinity or a connection. The word there is koinonia, could be sharing with other people. This is something that the Stoics believe is part of human nature. It's built into our, the very fabric of our existence. And so we have a natural tendency to want to socialize, at least to some, some degree, you know, on some things. But it is also possible to be self-sufficient, to be able to communicate not just with other people, but with ourselves. Now, you can only really be up for that if, in fact, you like yourself. Otherwise, you're stuck with a jerk or somebody who you're terrified of or somebody who keeps on making stupid decisions that you regret and deplore. And then you don't want to be with somebody right? So in order to be able to be the kind of person who can, in fact, be on their own and be okay with it, Epictetus, the Stoic, would say you need to do some self-development. You need to cultivate yourself so that you become a good person, the kind of person who actually wants to be with this person that you are. So, you know, he uses the example of Zeus. 
As Zeus is the Greek god who is sort of the stand-in for God, you know, the capital G for, for the Stoics. And the Stoics, if you read this section, the Stoics, he's referencing a world conflagration. The Stoics believe that the universe would every so often just be destroyed in flames and then be begun again. And Zeus would be there in the, the world conflagration. He would be there on his own. And he, and he says, okay, so let's think about this. Being alone is enough to make one forlorn. You will have to say that even Zeus himself is forlorn at the world conflagration and bewails himself. Wretched me! I have neither Hera nor Athena nor Apollo nor in a word brother nor son nor grandson nor kinsman. And he says, some people actually do think that Zeus is saying that because they can't imagine being on their own or anybody else being on their own and being okay with it and actually enjoying it. What does Zeus do? He says, Zeus communes with himself, is at peace with himself, contemplates the character of his governance, and occupies himself with ideas appropriate to himself. He can be on his own. Many other people can't. So we want to be able to be on our own, in part because we may have to be on our own a lot. You know, think about places where that's going to be the case. Riding the bus, going to the airport, sitting in your apartment, doing your homework by yourself, all these sorts of things. Going to certain kinds of work where you have to be on your own. Of course, you're on your own with work, but you're still on your own. Do you need, do you have a sort of insatiable pathological need to, to automatically bring in connections to anybody whatsoever? Or can you, do you have the freedom to actually be on your own and then connect with people when you choose to? That's the key question here. He also says that we are part of the divine governance, the Theoikesis, which is sort of like a, a giant household. So we're not truly on our own at any given time, because even when we think that we're on our own, there is also the divine, which we are in some way connected with. So we're not truly on our own, totally abandoned. But the person who doesn't see that would feel totally on their own if they don't have others and they haven't made friends with themselves. There's one last thing that Epictetus says here, which I find particularly striking and interesting. He talks about the, the peace of Caesar, right? The imperial Roman peace. He says, Behold now, Caesar seems to provide us with profound peace. There's no longer any wars, nor battles, nor brigandage on a large scale, nor piracy. But at any hour we may travel by land or sail from the rising of the sun to its setting. Can he then, here's the question, can he, Caesar, the political authority, the bureaucracy that he put in place, can he provide us with freedom from the other things that assail us? Can he provide us with peace from fever, from shipwreck, from fire, earthquake, and lightning? Can he give us peace from love, from sorrow, from envy? He cannot, from absolutely none of these things. But the doctrine of the philosophers promises to give us that peace from these troubles too. So when a man has this kind of peace proclaimed to him, who is it proclaimed by? Not by Caesar, by God, through reason, through our faculty of reason. This is something well worth keeping in mind. Those who are caught in crisis situations, you know, situations where society has broken down, of course, are not in a situation like what Epictetus is talking about with the peace of Caesar. Those of us living, fortunate enough to be living in the first world, you know, unless we're in, in particularly bad areas of it, are living in a situation very much like the peace of, of Caesar. But all of that prosperity, all of this massive connection that's possible for us, we're allowing me to talk to you through the internet, for example, and you to draw this up anytime that you want, none of that's actually going to make us feel less lonely 
if we haven't actually learned how to deal with being alone, being on our own. If we haven't made, as I was saying before, friends with ourselves. Remember too, that Epictetus thinks you can't really be friends with somebody in a lasting way unless you are a good person, unless you've engaged in some moral cultivation and development, and are on a road at least to virtue, if not already virtuous. In part because you're not going to remain constant. Things are going to come in between. It's the same relation with oneself. If there are conflicts that haven't really been worked through, perhaps not even identified within the person, it's going to be quite difficult for them to be on their own. So that applies just as much in our time as it does in Epictetus' time in the peace of the Roman Empire. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.